0: You're school. really into horror movies, aren't I mean, you? I like horror movies. Yeah, that's. I find that teensy bit creepy. You know. You think? Yeah. You add that with the super creepy feet, you got yourself a problem, right there. <laughs> Why? Why are you so fascinated with horror movies? I don't know. I mean, I the, I was five years old when I first saw my first horror film, so I think I've loved them ever since. I, 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 I think really you s- might have been traumatized if you saw it well. I was actually never really scared of them. I mean, the thing is, when you're a kid and you see those films, it's generally, you're excited to see them because you're not supposed to see them. Right. So initially, it's very exciting because it's taboo. And then I sort of fell in love with the genre. Of horror? Of horror films. All yeah. right. But you're such a cheerful, upbeat gentleman, I think. Yeah, that's where I get everything out. All right. Well, I see. Are you in therapy? Uh, <laughs> not currently, but I have been. Well, um, I, I could be your therapist for a minute. Sure. All right. I want you to relax, enjoy a chocolate dollar. Thank you. And describe the movie you saw when you were uh, five years old—the horror movie that turned you into horror. It was called Truth or Dare. Truth or Dare with Madonna. Not the Madonna film. Okay. <clears throat> that was quite scary. I was going to say that's quite scary. In this <clears throat> story, right. Um. It was about a, um, a, sh- a direct video film, mm. shot on video, right. about a guy that had played Truth or Dare as a child and then loses his mind when, his, um, when he finds his wife cheating on him. And he spins out of control and starts playing Truth or Dare with himself and other people, uh, and it gets murderous. And this masterpiece went straight to video? Mm. <laughs> and it's remained one of my all-time favorite horror really? films. <laughs> I, I've, interdu- I've honestly introduced that film to so many people. Well, you've and now, now again, tell me who's in it and where can I get a copy? I don't know who's in it. Uh, the director's called Tim Ritter. He's yeah. since done, I think, five or six sequels, all direct-to-video. It's, yeah. it's, uh, it's hilarious. Um, I have to say, it. Truth story- or Dare, directed yeah. by Tim... Tim Ritter. Tim Ritter.
1: Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent, here with Kevin and Dave. Hello. 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 We weren't supposed to be here this week. We had canceled this week for summer vacation because I was, uh, I was supposed to be on a camping trip, and I did go camping, but it was a very short-lived trip. I got rained out. Uh, Kevin had uh, a getaway also. Kevin just celebrated, I believe, his 17th wedding anniversary? 18. 18th. Wow. So both of us were out of town. We talked for a a minute about trying to do a remote episode, but even for me, it just seemed psychotic. I was gonna be tent camping, not like at a camp house or something. And Kevin had more important things to do than remote podcasts, so we decided-
2: Finally, for once. (laughs)
1: Yeah, for once, we decided for the first time since Christmas of 2020, We would take one week off and have a little vacation, Um, but as soon as my trip got rained out, the first thing on my mind was, we could get an episode in this week. I got time off the calendar. I'm coming home. I knew Dave had been down this crazy rabbit hole of like really out there, really fringe, 80s horror, uh, shot-to-video stuff. He's texting us these names of movies and directors that I didn't even know what he was talking about. I'm trying to camp. I'm like not even really paying that much attention. Uh so I was like, hey, I'm coming home. Send me that stuff again that you've been talking about. I will dive in. We can get a uh, a show done this week. Kevin said he wasn't available. So Dave and I were just gonna go, you know, just the two of us um we stuck away. Yeah. In the studio. In the studio. Here we are getting ready. Yeah, trying to keep it a secret, uh, I feel like well, you—we well, did- invited you, sir. We, <laughs> we invited
3: you. You said you were couldn't do it. Totally full up. Didn't even
1: read true. the message. This Didn't even true. read my text message. I could tell he was frazzled. He has much better things to do. I wasn't going to hound him about it. So, me and Dave are here getting set up. Who walks in the door? Kevin Kelly,
3: Mister Busy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Not so busy after all. Hey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so
3: we well, actually that's yeah. life <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys like to go on vacations and uh, you know go camping and stuff like that when the weather gets nice I, I watched all of these movies in the broad daylight when it was beautiful outside <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like I'm not going outside wait did we did we say where Kat was
1: Well, Kat was uh, unavailable. I don't know. This was so last minute.
3: Yeah, she's uh, going to see Phoebe Bridgers tonight. Oh, right, right. She's got a show, right. So um,
1: this was just like to keep our streak alive and do something a little more spontaneous and off the cuff than we normally do. We're still going to do our regular episode next week. We talked about the movie Possession and the new movie The Innocence, and that's T.S. Innocence, as in multiple People of Innocence. Um, that's VOD. Um, so we're going to do something totally different right now. We just gave Kevin kind of a crash course in the first film that we're going to be discussing. We showed him the important parts of the film. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a movie called Night of the Demon from 1980. The most confusing name you could possibly have for a horror movie because of so many movies have Night of
2: Demon in the title. And also, this takes place predominantly during the day
1: that's true (laughs) that's true there's also a movie called night of the demon from the 50s a black and white movie that i watched uh, not too Mm -hmm. long ago i so don't uh, get confused it's called night of the demon 1980 it's uh, on prime it's uh, on voodoo but those are like crappy versions you want to see this on midnight pulp you can watch it for free on midnight pulp with ads or if you have midnight pulp premium you can watch ad free dave how did you find this movie
3: uh it, it was a guy going through um severin films recently did a reissue uh blu-ray from the original tapes which i believe is what we're watching because every other place that i saw it streaming i watched multiple different versions of this some that were so uh just grainy and dark that you couldn't see anything um and so I saw someone doing an unboxing of like their new DVDs they just got or their new uh, VHS uh, or Blu-ray uh, reissues. And Night of the Demon is one of them. And I always loved Bigfoot, uh, the, all the folklore. It's, like, it falls right in this time. Like 1980 is the time when I was very susceptible to fears. This movie is uh, directed by James C. Watson. But it's written by and hijacked by Jim L. Ball. So what what happened with this movie is uh, it was originally going to be called like Revenge of Bigfoot or something like that. But what had happened is uh, 1980 came along. The actual copyright of this movie at the end credits is 79. Uh, yeah. So what had happened is Bigfoot had gone... By the wayside, people weren't interested in Bigfoot anymore. It was 1980s. Right. They were on to new things. They were onto zombies or whatever was cool at the time, vampires. But Bigfoot was out. It was passe. So they went with Night of the Demon um, to try to just like capitalize on some kind of generic horror thing. We always talk about you know the, the limitations of the production companies. And in this case, it was a low-budget, like, made-for-TV type of situation. So the original uh, guy uh, who directed it, um, James C. Wasson, did a cut of this movie that was tested for audiences, and it tested very poorly. And from here, there's not a whole lot of information, but my imagination goes that this Jim L. Ball guy was like, you know what, I'm, I am I want to make a video nasty out of this. I want to I get international notoriety. I want infamy. So I want to add a bunch of scenes to this. So they, they added about like they doubled the movie in length and added all these flashback campfire stories of Bigfoot and different encounters people had with him which all result in killing and what ends up happening is you have a movie that has a kill every five to seven minutes by my estimation yes every five to seven minutes there's a kill so in between it gets a little dull and you kind of see the bones of the original movie that was made in the first part of it and then it goes haywire Toward the end, the story gets super uh, convoluted and weird. There's uh, a cult uh, of people doing these rituals, almost like a King Kong Skull Island kind of thing, an offering to the beast. Um,
2: you have. Did you just compare this movie to Skull Island? <laughs> oh, i
3: would I would compare I would compare this to all of the greats. Uh, this. Uh, uh, But I want to talk about why After I kind of lay out Everything that happens here Um, You know, there's A religious aspect uh, There's a Bigfoot baby There's Girl Scouts There's a penis Ripped off Ripped off (laughs) Um, And then there's a whole bunch of Like really cool slow motion um, With just chaotic Synthesizer music It's like a cacophony of just blips and bloops and it reminds me of uh the incredible hulk tv show with lou ferrigno when i was a kid and what that was it was it was like there were parts that were a little too scary for me when i was like in 1980 i was six years old so it was a little too scary for me sometimes and this movie is as though they took it too far like i was just watching what it, like abc or nbc or whatever you watch back then and in the daytime on a saturday afternoon and this shit came on like it connects with my psyche i feel like there's like a part deep inside me that the quality of this movie has a lot to do with the way it makes me feel when i watch it it's a, it's kind of a new kind of scary for me i love night of the demon one of my new top 10 because of the unique way in which fear is produced.
1: Wow! It's gone from your top twenty to your yeah. top ten in, in a half an hour.
3: No, no, no. You said I, top
1: twenty before. You did say top
3: 10 this when is the fifth time. This is the fifth time.
1: Well, we've talked about it's better better. Um, looking for a Bigfoot movie. I I have been in search of Bigfoot in the uh, celluloid realm and I've never seen anything that was really any good. I haven't seen it all of course, but I think that this is for my money so far the greatest Bigfoot movie of all time. You guys are oh, so yeah. on it's brand right, a right while. now. It's Dave is, been a while. I was just
2: going to say that before you <laughs> started talking. I was like Dave's over here putting things in his top 10. It's like Trent for a while when he was on a roll with this is the greatest movie <laughs> now, of
1: all time. Now let me qualify that. Um it's the greatest of a lot of bad movies now i'm not you know i'm not as hot on this as dave this is dave's blood harvest or blood beat those movies that i brought in that were no budget 80s that i just got so into and i tried to sell them to you guys and it went over you know like a fart in church nobody wanted to play with me on those movies so now i see myself in dave uh talking about this stuff and i understand um it is crazy the gore scenes are tremendous the dick ripoff is I mean that's up there with we've seen a lot of dick bites that's always something that we we see a lot of where somebody gets their dick bitten off we've never seen a dick straight up ripped off by hand uh, and the guy bleeds out through the dick um, I really thought this was wild it's definitely worth your while to check this out so Kevin came in uh as we were like getting ready to do this episode so we kind of gave him a crash course. Kevin, what what were your uh your
2: initial thoughts on this? Well first of all I'm wildly unprepared <laughs> <laughs> I This thought is the most unprepared I've I, ever I been. had some business to do in the neighborhood and I thought I'll swing in and see if anyone's at the space. <laughs> and I'm like is that Trent's car? That's weird. Oh, Just setting car up mics <laughs> I'm like, wow, they're like trying to do a secret fucking episode. We're like, they try to go you. kicking <laughs> us out of the band. Cat, I got you. We're gonna start our own podcast. They
1: invited you. <laughs>
2: oh, I'm busy all that. Ca- no, but but honestly, like if you asked me this morning how will your day end up, Kevin, it would not be walking in literally two two minutes and ten seconds into Night of the Demon. And you guys kind of like had it on pause. And like You know I will be honest You guys are pretty psyched Like oh wow We're about to watch Like Night of the Demon And then talk about it And I was like Night of the Demons It's one of my Favorite 80's horror movies yeah, So I was like no, I don't even need to that watch that Like I could recite that For you right now Like nah Not quite <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so did you guys Much Do you guys better. remember The book fan The what The book fan like, it, it would, like, come through your neighborhood, oh, and you oh, could, no. like, rent books. Yeah, no, I don't like, remember quote, that. Like, quote-unquote, like, it was basically like a, a mobile library.
3: Yeah. It sounds like the book fair, which this movie does remind me of the book fair.
2: Well, it just I just it's thought of it because, fair. like, of your tirade about how Bigfoot was passe and everything. So I was the kid that the dude that drove the book van, he had every Bigfoot and Loch Ness Monster, like, basically any, like, mythological, like, being book, like, ready for me. He's like, I know you want these, kid. And I've been obsessed with Bigfoot, Loch Ness, like all that. Not yeah, yeah. Quite I was into in that too. Search like yeah, like of movies like you, Trent. Just into the into the idea of these mysterious
1: yeah. beasts. Yes. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. B-
1: Bermuda
2: and, and, and Triangle. Like, well, yeah, Anyone? exactly. Yeah, totally in. Like apparently they're doing like tours of the Bermuda Triangle, and you can like buy insurance in case you disappear. Now I would do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Field that trip. dumb. Maybe we should. <laughs> like, uh, but I did not expect this day to contain watching this one hour and 36 minute movie that apparently is two movies, uh, makes no sense, now. has some pretty unbelievable gore, and some of the worst blood that I've ever seen. However, I'm with you, Trent. This was entirely enjoyable, and I would love to try to pick all the pieces of this up and make it make sense. Uh, a lot of times we watch movies, we're like, yeah, we can make it add up. This does not add up and it does contain everything like Dave said. It has cults, rituals, dick ripoffs, Girl Scouts, knives, Bigfoot using tools and weapons, uh, at some points Bigfoot has really hairy hands and I guess on some days he shaves them <laughs> so he can have better access to, to gripping things. Yeah, sometimes uh,
3: he's got like the gorilla hands and sometimes he has just regular human hands. Yeah, with when, a little bit I
1: notice when he them. when he's gonna gonna plunge his hand into someone's abdomen and rip out their entrails, he puts on the gloves for that. <laughs> but then later I he think doesn't he have to he just up. shaves
2: real quick. <laughs> and then his hair grows really fast. <laughs>
1: Good entrails. He swings the entrails. Not only does he pull someone's entrails out, he swings them around the room for a minute. Like, he's just having For fun with multiple it.
2: multiple minutes. Okay, first of all, we're, we're going to spoil the shit out of this because... It, There's it no spoiling it any matter. of these things. You movies. guys literally told me everything cool that happens in this movie within the first five minutes of me getting here. And then you're like, wait, we got to show you that. we got to show you that. So, like, I knew it. It was still enjoyable, and it was still ridiculous. And thank you, actually, because knowing what was happening, I was able to kind of pay attention to, like, maybe some other tidbits in the scenes. But everything in this movie takes way too long. Obviously, like Dave said, apparently if it was shot to be some other type of film and then the producer hijacked it and brought it back to like some like makeshift studio set to shoot all the other scenes, like the gore scenes and the big 20-minute finale, everything takes forever. When Bigfoot is swinging the entrails, every single person in that cabin, so like spoiler, Bigfoot breaks into a cabin at the end, kills like five, every single character in the movie dies except for one. And because somebody has to, like, do the exposition and tell the story. And and do all that. Um, But he, everyone could have gotten out of there at any moment in time, especially when Bigfoot is swinging the entrails. And then there's that one asshole that has an axe and he's behind Bigfoot. But instead of just hitting Bigfoot with the axe from behind where Bigfoot can't see you, he tries to go around the entrails and come and hit Bigfoot from the front so what do we think happens well, well and, and, and there's a guy with a,
3: a gun on bigfoot as he's raping his daughter yeah that and was he upset. doesn't shoot until after bigfoot does
1: yeah <laughs> yes. so I, as far as a story i guess this is like about it's it's a, a group of uh, college students i think right they're searching for the myth that there's this bigfoot in this area of the mountains or whatever and that there are these Locals who might worship the beast or something. So that's kind of the story is that the kids are out to find out what's going on, to look for this legend, and it kind of goes from there. I mean, it the whole movie is the dramatic scenes of people telling the legend around the campfire or to a cop or whatever it is. And then, like you said, Dave, every five or seven minutes, boom, you get the later filmed gore
3: scenes just stuck right in
1: there. <laughs> yeah,
2: as flashbacks. <laughs> it was very confusing. Yes, all if in I flashback. hadn't watched this with you guys, I would have been completely lost.
3: Well, it, and you know the amateur everything about it all of that stuff uh is just you know a calling card of this era uh and this this television budget that disturbs me so much and this actually if you have seen the movie censor that we talked about as one of our favorite horror movies of the last few years um censor is about a person who has to censor movies in the 80s and their movies like this they're very cheap yeah um they're trying to get a they they want the 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 shock value and they want the the infamy in some places you know we talked about like faces of death and the whole vhs like you know like how how are you going to stop kids from you know like listening to like explicit music like you put a parental advisory sticker on it like that's that's the hardest it logo makes ever. Makes me want that CD it does. so yeah. hard. And there's the same thing with the video nasties, and in uh, all the the VHS stuff that just had a sticker on it that said whatever. And I think I think they leaned into that, but it's so much like Sensor It's such a classic. I've been working my way through all the video nasties. There's 72 of them,
2: <laughs> and um, so like every movie that the the British board there. Deemed, which right. this is one right. of them.
3: Right, it it lasted for a few years, but there are some movies, um, the House on the Edge of the Park, for instance, um, with David Hess from Last House on the Left. It's loosely, just because of the character and like the deviant, diabolical kind of dude that he plays, almost considered a sequel to Last House on the Left. Um, but it's directed by someone completely different. But that movie was re-submitted in 2022 and still had like 11 and a half minutes shaved off it because it was too much. So, uh, and, and that's mostly just like murderous, like sexual violence. It's, it's offensive and it's exhausting um, even to watch. Um, so it, it's a test of your endurance, but some stuff is a video nasty purely because of the title or the cover art or one scene. It seems kind of random and it only lasted for a certain amount of years but there still is a restriction on super extreme movies. This is the first
1: time we've ever seen a Bigfoot hu- human hybrid baby. Yes, reminded me of It's Alive. There is a the the Bigfoot rapes in this movie a 13-year-old girl and it's um not left to the imagination. The girl gives birth to a human Bigfoot hybrid that baby is not long for this world. Um, And that kind of wraps the story a little bit and then the Bigfoot finally comes back to get revenge for his progeny and that's when he ends up at the cabin, just, you know,
3: slaughterhouse time. So one of the things we have not really established that well this week is that these movies are not easy to look at. They're not well made at all. They're very poor quality. Uh, and as the list goes, this one is the, this is like the Oscar nominee. Top of the for chain. Yeah, yeah, this is like Skull Island,
2: apparently. Well,
3: it, yeah, it is. I would I would consider <laughs> it much better than Skull Island. Oh, get out of here! <laughs> oh, like many many into the uh, remakes, uh, and then finally you know the second from last King Kong movie. Um, uh,
1: notable in in that my last note on this in in that vein. Um, there's a great scene where the Bigfoot uh, shoves a pitchfork through somebody's midsection, and when the victim falls to the ground, you can see that the middle spokes or the the points of the pitchfork have been taken <laughs> out, and it's very very clear so that she's there's, in a lot of pain because there's just two. She's just kind of like
2: pitchfork forks like on her side, sides really hard,
3: and then you can see that the other ones have been cut. Oh, and also here, there's, there's Bigfoot
2: vision. Oh, it's, it's even you, better it's than like, the Predator.
3: <laughs> but it's like a,
2: it's like Skull it's Island. It's
3: like I'm alive, dude. You it really did. love Skull Island that much? I mean, that's uh, I I actually did love Skull Island. I did I too. Really but this is um, it, this is a hidden gem. Yeah, that's and another, that's why I bring uh, it up. Not because it's a fifty million dollar movie by Jerry Bruckheimer or whatever. It's a super trash movie, but they got you know Lightning in a Bottle. There's a few things that just make it kind of a classic. And like I said It it awakens something in me For sure But every one of these movies That we're going to talk about this week Every single one There are people that When they're supposed to be dead They move Or they blink Or they twitch Or they breathe You know like We aren't used to seeing that People look dead Generally I would say from 1990 Till now People have started looking dead But in the 80s In the In the 70s you get people who would be moving Because they'd continue the scene And you're just supposed to stay still With no kind of like special effects or anything
2: The the score of this movie If you can call it that Oh it is amazing You can call it that (laughs) It's a classic It's kind of like the mutilator Where like there's all this whimsical weird music (laughs) That's actually music And then there's just somebody That are hitting random keys on a synth And apparently Dennis McCarthy is one of the guys that did the music for this, and he would go on to do, like, Star Trek, like, MacGyver, uh, a whole bunch of, like, crazy kind of cool things. But it is effective. The synth stuff is effective in making it kind of unnerving. Um, And I think that, like, Dave, you talked about Sensor. We we see a lot of people nowadays with some of the modern movies that take place in this era try to recreate some of that stuff and to varying degrees of success I think but this actually was there were a few moments of this movie that that actually scared me Um, but the effects and stuff that you're talking about too the gore is good it's pretty good like you can laugh at the blood like the to me the blood looked like they were making like Jello and forgot to put it in the fridge yeah it was too uh, you could see through it. Um, but the actual gore scenes Like you know Dick rip off Don't get your hopes up You don't see the dick You just see you a You see guy the dick like Well you see hem- what's left hemorrhage of Hemorrhage No no
1: you see the dick To begin with Oh you see the full dick And it's a, a good sized dick I should <laughs> point out And then the Bigfoot Picks the guy up By his dick And rips it clean off And not totally clean Because then you see the guy You see what's left of his dick It looks like
2: the hawks just Got it Blood And the hawks
1: <laughs> Squirting out And he, he bleeds
2: out And like the, the effect dick. is like It's like watching somebody pee their pants but with blood there's no squirting like they couldn't afford like any type of motor to like have the blood squirt in this so all the blood in this is just seeping and dripping
3: well the best part about this is how they have deduced that this must be a bigfoot that's doing the killings because he's slitting people's throats and he's stabbing them with their own knives, right, he's, using knives. And he's got a yeah. pitchfork it must be a bigfoot <laughs> <laughs> he's
1: uh he's, um, he's- developed the the knowledge of tools he knows how to use tools
2: to dave's point that they didn't want this to be a bigfoot movie if you look up the cast the dude that plays bigfoot is credited as monster
1: yeah so they, they right. didn't want
2: that name in there at all
1: right that's right and that's the title night bigfoot of the demon. was canceled yeah they, they could have called it you know some something bigfoot but no day of the
2: with, bigfoot n- right this movie should have been called day of the Bigfoot.
1: <laughs> it's in the day it's not at night there's no demon this is totally yeah, false that's the other thing. Like When I said
2: that earlier, a, a majority of this movie takes place during the day, and most of the kills are during the day. And yes. then the cabin scene at the end is very clearly shot during the day, but they have all the shutters on the windows closed. So it's not even like a Texas Chainsaw thing, like with the dinner scene, where they put like black. They like really hid the windows because they had to shoot that scene during the day. Yeah. that is supposed to take place at night. In this one, not, they just like found a cabin, shut the shutters. Sunlight is still shining through the cracks in the shutters, and they're like, it's nighttime. We've got to get out of here. My, my guess would be that all the, the
1: later gore scenes, they probably didn't have the budget to light at night and that's why all the kills this bigfoot just operates during the day no problem broad daylight all the kills that's my theory is that it was so hurried and and so low budget lower even than the original that they just had to do it however they however it could happen i learned a new uh, abbreviation this week sov means shot on video, which we are going to talk about uh, the next two movies, starting with Home Sweet Home from 1981. If you love uh, television aspect ratio, if you love watching something only available on YouTube, if you'd like to see a horror movie starring Body by Jake, uh, I believe his name is Jake Steinfeld actually yes. if you remember um, the 80s at all even the 90s I think body by Jake was around in the 90s He was one of these like TV bodybuilder guys that did infomercials if you were up way too late after Letterman After Conan whatever you could buy some supplements and like learn some training videos from body by Jake He plays a homicidal maniac. This is not a whodunit. This is more like the mangler What did you call the mangler Dave
3: the mangler? A mutilator. Oh, a I'm mutilator. sorry. The,
1: yeah, the mutilator. You said it's not a Who Done It. It's a He Done he, It. He Done It. Yeah. <laughs> he done this it. is a He Done It. It shows you the first scene. Body by Jake kills a guy just by putting him in a headlock and crushing his head, and then he takes a needle and he injects PCP directly into his tongue. You know it's PCP because while he's doing that, he's in the car and on the radio classic move for, for the horror movies. The radio report is about the maniac on the loose on PCP killing people, so that's the, uh, the kind of the setup here. And then the, the story wise, I actually really liked the story of this. It reminded me a lot of Rabid Grannies. You talked about that movie. It reminded me of Ready or Not. It reminded me even of, of a movie like Knives Out, which we haven't talked about. Not, not a horror movie, but I call it the assembled ensemble. You have a whole broadcast of different people. They all assemble at a fixed location for something, a wedding, a holiday, uh, the adjudication of a will, something like that. All these people have gotten together into this one fixed location, and that's where the movie takes place. That's where all the horror happens. Uh, in, in this case, it's uh, Thanksgiving is what from what I gather. All these people have gotten together for a big Thanksgiving party at a mansion that's really all the story there is that i could surmise from this movie and eventually the the psycho killer body by jake makes his way through the city and he arrives at the uh the thanksgiving party and things go from there i actually really liked this one i thought this demonstrated some some actual like knowledge of not just horror film but just like dramatic storytelling i thought that I could see that whoever made this, um, oh, actually, this was made by um, Nettie Pena, uh, I think the only female filmmaker we're going to talk about this week. I don't know much about Nettie Pena. I don't even think she has an IMDb, uh, IMDb page. Um, but I, I thought that there was real evidence of some some knowledge of like dramatic storytelling. This, uh, in addition to Body by Jake, uh, stars uh, Vanessa Shaw who we saw in the Hills Have Eyes remake. Mm-hmm. She was also in a movie called We Need to Do Something from last year, which is now on Hulu. You should check, check out We Need to Do Something if you haven't seen that. Um, but she stars in this movie, she's seven years old. She stars as like the little girl at the, uh, at the Thanksgiving party. So, hey, you can't
3: say nobody went on to do anything from this movie. And she was quite the, the star in this. Like, uh, she's the one who got away after a bunch of people like, could have got away this guy's mad slow but she got away and got help and I'm not trying to spoil this but it's already pretty spoiled this is <laughs> this is a you know these are kind of trash movies these are trash movies they're not real movies I don't know how to explain that it's just it's not a real movie like what you watch it if you watched it like with it uh anyone under 30 they would just be like what is this this is not a real movie this is like a you know a A sketch made to look like something old, but
1: (laughs) yeah. And I I don't. I should reiterate: this is only on YouTube. This is nowhere else. You cannot find this movie. Just dial it up for free. But you Um, can tell,
3: even if you had the most high quality version available of this, it would still be trash.
1: Written by Thomas Bush, whoever that is. Um, I (laughs) I did like the score of this. The score was done by somebody named Rich Tuffo or Rich. Tufo, um, I thought the music was actually like pretty good, and um, along with a Bigfoot, I've kind of always been looking for uh, Thanksgiving horror movies. There aren't a lot. I was gonna say
2: this—it's surprising. Like, There's some. Um, but and Rage. I tried to curate one, and it was really difficult. I mean, if, unless we just like watch like the Grindhouse Thanksgiving trailer for 20 straight times.
3: Yeah. Well, um, the, the time yeah. of uh, movies being—you know—the calendar horror stuff was really in this era, so. If, if you dig deep into this area, you can find
2: just about any holiday. There's probably a flag day. I wonder a what. Movie. What's the tagline for this movie? I wonder if it centered around Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's the. Yeah,
1: it's it's there. That's what the family is getting together for. Oh, well, if they had a tagline, I see what you mean. Yeah, it's hard to say because the movie just isn't really anywhere.
2: Oh, it's the tagline was "Be it ever so humble, there's no place to hide." That's a weird tagline. Okay.
1: <laughs> um, this movie actually reminded me a lot of Blood Harvest in that there is a Marvelous Mervo character. We talked about Blood Harvest star uh, Tiny Tim as the character Marvelous Mervo, who is kind of skulking around in a clown makeup the whole time, being weirdo, playing his ukulele, singing songs. This movie has a kid in clown makeup with an electric guitar and an amplifier uh, on backpack, and he just keeps running into scenes and, like, playing guitar and annoying people and they keep chasing him away. Yeah, so I, I'm watching
2: this in real time right now. <laughs> We've got I, it on, I've not seen this movie, everything. I'm, I'm literally just on the internet. Um, but I was going to ask you guys, he's also wearing fucking chains. Like, what? what is happening with oh,
3: that guy? Oh, there's a great... Uh, this and the next movie, he broke out of his spot. Uh, or am I thinking of uh, Day of the Reaper? They, he's <laughs> on the loose. Like he He's a fugitive, right? No, that's Day of the Reaper. But I thought in the beginning of this too that he escaped from somewhere, or on the radio said that he was a a mental patient. and yeah, he escaped. Yeah,
2: maybe so. Wait, this is mime guy or body by Jake? He's
1: talking talking about Jake, I think. Not the mime. The mime kid was just there for the party. Oh no, no, I'm
3: talking about the
2: yeah, the body by Jake guy.
1: Yeah, no, the mime kid was just there. He's he's one of the attendees, and he's just like he's almost like the um, the funny guy in the slasher. Movies like the the guy in the first Friday the Thirteenth that's always impersonating Humphrey Bogart or Marvelous Marvel. thats what the mime guy is. We just saw a scene where uh, there's a great kill where a guy is like pulled over to the side of the road and he's checking his engine. He's got the hood up, and body by Jake just comes running up to the car and throws himself on top of the hood and smashes
2: the guy. I'm not gonna is lie, that-, that was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that like a wrestling move?
3: Like what's that
1: called? <laughs> oh, like, I was I, just trying to think of <laughs> body that. Like, slam. I think it was a did splash. Like a
2: WWE move. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He
3: did a splash on the on the hood of the car and crushed the guy. <laughs> that the was head the head. only uh this and we have Bigfoot. They don't utilize their brute strength. Yeah, I wish there uh, was more of that. This this guy should be crushing everyone's skulls. He should be like
2: breaking people's hands with his pecs. They're also not showing off his body enough. Um, I mean, for somebody named Body by Jake, they kind of have him in like a dad bod shirt.
1: Well, you haven't really paid attention to the lower portion of Jake's (laughs) wardrobe because let me tell you, the unit on this guy, he's wearing the tightest (laughs) jeans I've ever seen on a human being, and you can actually see both nuts and and the penis.
2: (laughs) Okay, so it's genitalia by Jake. And at this
1: resolution, even, there's, so there's the clown guy, Kevin. That's your marvelous Mervo character. Who yes, plays and there's guitar. Vanessa,
2: a young Vanessa Shaw. That's I have her. seen We need to do something, uh, actually. On Hulu. Yeah, it, it's good. It's good.
3: There's a there's a part where he has uh, he has her in the bathroom by the throat, and the mime kind of guy comes in, who the mime is the loudest mime you'll ever see, and he says, <laughs> "Make a sound, and I'll kill her." <laughs> but I just I, I couldn't tell if that was supposed to be a mime joke.
1: Yeah, I, I well, because he's doing I mean, tricks. The mime is like doing magic tricks too the whole time, but he's not silent at all. He's playing guitar and he talks a lot. Um, on a more serious note, one thing that I recognized in this movie that I think is interesting, uh, especially today where we live in, a, in an era where there is more accountability and more criticism of law enforcement than at any time in my life. We were really reaching a point where um, people that have the ultimate power in society in that in the law enforcement context from local cops to all the way to the FBI are under the most scrutiny that I think that uh, law enforcement has ever faced. But I was thinking nobody has ever been harder in film on cops than 80s horror and, and this movie is so in that tradition there's a scene where two of the characters are pulled over by local yokel like kind of dipshit cops and there are two like younger women and the cops let them go and they get back to their car and uh they talk and they're like oh yeah they're going to get drunk yeah hopefully we'll see him again later tonight they're like planning to, pull, to put, pull
3: them over yeah pull them over again later when they're drunk and i guess the implication would be like take some kind of advantage you know that the last movie i forgot to mention the the Cop's name in the beginning is Sergeant Slack. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of along that same kind of yeah, scene.
1: yeah. So like there, you see a lot of the commentary in movies now, but no movie now makes them look as bad as the the, the horror eighties uh, movies were ahead of their time in terms of like criticizing law enforcement.
2: Well, in horror movies, yes, but yeah. Then it was like almost like offsetting these movies that were like these action movies that were like glorifying the military and like cops and stuff like that yeah yeah. so i feel like it was interesting counterbalance yeah yeah
1: right because your mainstream blockbusters were all glorifying all the cop buddy movies and all that stuff
2: i want i want to know um and again i'm sorry i haven't seen this fucking movie uh why does body by jake end up at this place just killing everybody
1: I, it seems like he just wanders there he's just wandering around oh he runs over a lady i love that kill he just that's is, the first one he kills yeah, an old he, lady like he well, runs no, he over kills an old lady
2: and then he needs to like steal someone's <laughs> hose to wash off the hood of his car and like that's how he ends up there <laughs> um so i don't like, I, remember I with that one might as well just hang out yeah it, i don't remember it's exactly hard, how it's hard Show to hear what's nuts.
3: going on it's hard to see what's going on
1: it's really um, hard to see like this the, is terrible quality the scenes at night especially when you're throwing it to like a monitor a, a, a tv monitor from your laptop or something the it, the scenes at night are like you can't see anything
2: a lot of guitars in this movie
1: yes
3: yeah there's also a girl that pay, plays like flamenco guitar and sings the whole time you have two you, you have her and you have the mime that are both performing the whole time
1: my favorite quote from this is uh she won't drink anything. She
3: hates to go to the bathroom.
1: Uh, there's a lot of... <laughs> is that about... Wait, but wait. Is that about
2: an old person? No, no, a young no. Person? It's
1: about a young, a young lady. Uh, there's a lot. This one has a ton of like very incorrect speech. There's like the dialogue is just so brutal. Um, would not would not fly today. I, I mean, I think it's, it's making fun of the characters, but there's a lot of like a lot of that stuff and a lot of very funny. Like this one guy keeps saying he needs beer or volume. Or both the whole time so was this like an anti-drug movie um i i get i mean I, I to me know. it's just more like an easy device like why would this guy be going around killing everyone he's on pcp i mean there was a lot of that in the 80s everything was about watch out for pcp you it could be laced with pcp and you'll be a maniac and go kill everyone that's true that's kind of what this is doing this has a lot of scenes um just like night of the demon has a lot of scenes through the um, point of view of the killer, the killer's eyes, and you get a lot of the killer breathing in this, which we've seen a lot. Um, this also had, you know, another similarity to um, Blood Harvest. The clown is wrongly suspected in this movie, Same, just like uh, Mervo in Blood Harvest. Same thing where all the suspicion centers on the weird
3: clown uh, magician guy. I wouldn't say that I liked this movie. I, I honestly loved Night of the Demon. But it was just strange to see, uh, just such a low budget movie where you know people would go on to, like it's it's very much like Blood Harvest because you have Tiny Tim's career and Jake's career and they're they're wildly different than horror. But. I really enjoyed this. I, I thought this was
1: good. All The movies that we're talking about this week take a dramatic step down each. So we started with the best, and then this is quite a step down from Night of the Demon. I mean, if that movie is too low budget for you, you wouldn't enjoy this. But I really actually, I liked this one quite a bit. It is a, a solid step down, and then after this, we're going... All the way, we're going to the sub
3: basement. We are under the
1: basement, we are in SOV land. You're just
3: getting a VHS tape from some kid that lives in the basement. Day of the Reaper,
1: 1984. This is on Prime somehow, um, for free, or it's also on Prime Rental. If you don't have Prime, it's on uh, Voodoo to rent. Um, this is another television aspect ratio. This is shot on video. This was um, made by a 17-year-old kid named Tim Ritter. Dave started, like, furiously texting us about Tim Ritter last week while I was, like, getting ready for camp. How did you stumble upon the career? And it's been a, a, quite a career. He's
3: made a ton of movies. How did you find out about Tim Ritter? Well, I was on Tubi. I went, I went on, like, a very, I would say, unhealthy Binge on Tubi It got dark It was many movies in a row Just on the couch uh, Smoking weed and watching Movies on Tubi from the 80s And I came across this movie Called Night of the Quad Dead I
1: don't don't even know what the last word (laughs)
3: Q-U-A-D-E-A-D Okay And I put it on And it was like this a lady from the 80s and she was talking to her invisible son who would just make like an impression in the chair or there'd be a cup floating and then she started telling him these bedtime stories and then it went into this whole thing and it was all shot on video and all the bedtime stories were like horror stories it was like an anthology just made by like this woman and her kid in the 80s in some apartment who knows where Uh, I would say the United States. But, uh, so I started looking into this shot on video stuff because I was like, how, how many movies have been done that have been shot straight to, like, you have to be real with the perspective of this. This is a VHS tape, like you see at your grandmother's house or whatever. And it's one of those you record onto that in the camera and then you blend that together Kevin, you said you had some experience doing that sort of production work when we were in high school, um, but it's very primitive, and it's very, uh, when done right, it, it can have a whole different effect, um, and you're getting glimpses of parts. There, it, There's never anything that fully, like, hits. Like, the movie's amazing. It's like, this one part was magic because of this, or this mood that they set, um, Usually, the consistency in the in the mood on these movies makes them seem more legit. Um, so but, it was
1: obviously striking enough that that's what
3: sent you. That's what where you found out about Tim Ritter. Well, I started and, this movie and and I watched uh, Tim Ritter. Uh, I I just read a list of like S O V movies and who's the who one of the top ones. Oh, I see. And like the top the top ten was just littered with Ritter. Yeah, um, he
1: does, actually, Ritter does have an IMDb page, and he's made a ton of movies. His last movie was called Sharks of the Corn, and I, I want to see it because I want to compare. We watched Day of the Reaper. That's his first movie he ever made. He was 17 years old, and it shows, um, I would say, Day of the Reaper, w- lower quality than Coven. Yes, much. That's I think Coven, Coven. Is, well, <laughs> I think Coven is the most amateur movie we've ever covered on the show. This Until is, um, yeah, this is more amateur than Coven, although it has a lot of flair, it has way more gore. coven and a lot of the kills I I thought were actually pretty good there's some nasty kind of stuff the guy that gets killed in the bathtub the guy that gets stabbed in the head repeatedly although you can tell his head is replaced with a melon like right in you know mid thrust Um, there's entrails really gross entrails Um, there's a Fangoria magazine in this movie there's a scene where a character sits down on the couch and she picks up a fangoria magazine if you know 80s horror you know fangoria is still around to this day this movie starts with the warning card classic i love that it tells you if there are children in the theater remove the children before you watch this movie this is just a really really ambitious really talented kid swinging for the fences and i mean i can't imagine making something like this when i was 17 so I give all the credit to this movie, and I think it is interesting in that context. If you are like an archaeologist and a student of this stuff, you should definitely check out Day of the Reaper.
3: His recent stuff looks like big budget. Some of it looks like they look like real movies or maybe it's just like digital technology fooling me, but like this stuff is so grimy, and I just appreciate that he he made it, but the movie that he made after this... um, It's called Truth or Dare, Critical Madness. And it actually reminds me a lot of Night of the Demon. There's a part where he sits and plays Truth or Dare uh, with this lady, um, and it goes crazy. Uh, But it's much better than this. There's a character called the Copperhead Killer uh, that's pretty cool. Um, So it was cool to see the evolution. I'm glad we went back and did the original one because it was Night of the Demon, Day of the Reaper, Night and Day, and um, it's just, it's cool to see people that, like, I would love to see the American movie of Tim Ritter.
1: The ADR in this is the most egregious thing we have ever seen. They don't care. Not at all. Like, the way that it's shot, and then it's so bad this is honestly like this is one you know I, I can't say I paid rapt attention to the quote-unquote story I, at some point not too long into this movie I was grabbing the guitar off the couch and like dubbing a little bit and like watching this like yeah it, it's that kind of thing although um, I did really like the score it's so out the music to this
3: is just it like is. It's, it's a keyboard solo the whole time <laughs> It's so bizarre. It never stops. That's the thing. (laughs) But it's good. It kind of it reminded me. I think speaking of Coven,
1: it reminded me more of um, the more the scarier that that's like that's the level that this is on. If you know the more the scarier, that's what Day of the Reaper is.
2: Stu's a hustler again. I have not seen this movie. I'm watching the first five minutes of it right now for the first time. It looks terrible. But his 2022 credit as a producer is on a movie called Catnado. Catnado,
1: yeah. See, there you go, like sharks of the corn. That's kind of like what this guy does.
2: 2017, house shark. (laughs) 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 Earth girls are, wait for it, sleazy.
3: Oh, so look, this is your guy the whole time. This is your guy. This yeah, is your this guy. is the killer. So the killer—he's so being transported in this uh, station wagon from an Sub asylum room. from an asylum by these two official and, dudes,
1: and he has like a black tablecloth over his head, and it's cinched with a rope around his neck. So that—I mean,
2: you know, it's on par with like you know Michael being transported, you know, in Halloween. Yeah, that's
1: the story. Well, yeah, story-wise, but um, and then he has these like big black gloves on, like you would use at a nuclear radiation factory or something
3: have you guys ever seen the the wolf pack mm, i don't think no. so it's about uh kids that uh their parents made them stay indoors all the time they like never went outside until they were like in their 20s and they used to make films and in the documentary there's portions of these films and they have these costumes and whatever but this reminds me a lot of Um, That type of stuff just any kind of home video like again, this is an 80s teenager Making horror movies. I really
1: appreciated the finale of this movie. There's a sequence where I kept thinking I was seeing the grand final kill But then there's another grand final kill and another grand final kill pretty soon somebody's heart is being ripped out of their chest like Temple of Doom style uh, by like a 15-year-old kid. Uh, (laughs) An eyeball is pulled out with the roots hanging down. Um, So you do have actually some, again, like pretty... Pretty ambitious and pretty sophisticated, like special effects, practical effects techniques from, you know, a high school kid. I really,
3: I really appreciated that stuff. But I like the lieutenant is a fifteen-year-old kid, <laughs> know, and he's just got like his dad's hat on, <laughs> and he's like got, like an oversized jacket, and he's just like, "I'm the lieutenant, and I've heard blah, blah, blah. we're gonna get this guy," and it's just like really, really the worst, but that's <laughs> why it's the best. But the practical effects are very good.
2: I mean, there's something to be said about people like this. You know, I can't remember his name off the top of my head from an American movie. Mark Borchardt. Mark Borchardt. Thank you. By my count, looking at his IMDb page, this guy's directed 23 horror movies. Yeah, well, yeah, and also and a lot of them edited and produced and, and did. Written. The story. yes. Yeah. yeah. So, he, yeah, he wrote, directed, and produced Cat Nato. So. That's got to be a big winner, <laughs> uh, but you know that this is what I love about the genre is like you can poke fun at it, but like you really have to like tip your hat to somebody that has such a passion in the genre and they're taking all this time to do it. Uh, you know, you don't. I guess, and, and maybe I'm wrong. I don't pay attention nearly as much to other genres as I do horror, but like. You don't typically see like these like low budge, like homemade, like rom-coms, <laughs> yes. you know, or like, you know, disaster films and stuff. Yeah, it's like, pretty much a it's genre. It's kind of unique to our genre. Yeah, you know, or maybe maybe yeah. some sci-fi stuff. Action. Like, ooh, let's like float a UFO by, by the camera.
1: Yeah, or but, like the old comedies that Raimi and his gang made.
2: Yeah, yeah, fair.
1: But they're always genre. and I, I think like for me... The final oh my god, I'm just it's all coming back to me now Uh, we have the ADRs, the the voiceover so so bad. I mean the the thing about this movie to me all comes down to there's a there's a dedication at the end. Did you see the dedication, Dave? No. It says Dedicated to all those who believe in their nightmares. Oh, wow. I, was I like, like that. oh man, that's I like so that. cool this is I wonder so... if that was
2: his senior quote In his, high, in his uh, <laughs> high school yearbook
1: This is American movie Again, except this American movie Made movies, he didn't just make one And then spend the rest of his career Coasting off a, a documentary about how inept he was Tim Ritter actually Made like
3: 20 more movies after this I think this, we should so. follow him I already did. Oh, night. No, oh, yeah. I, we're following. I mean, I mean him follow him to the present. Like, uh, watch all his movies. I, well, I'd like yeah. to see the growth from this very first movie when he was seventeen.
2: That's I, why I, mean, yeah, I think yeah. I'll bookend it, and I think I'll just uh, start here and then go right to Catnado. That's what I was thinking. I want to see. <laughs> I want to see the last one. I've seen this.
1: I want to see the last one so I can see the full range of progress uh, of Tim Ritter.